You're listening to the Astrophotography Podcast. Capture the night sky. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Astrophotography Podcast. My name is Steve, I'm from Ontario Telescope and Accessories, ontariotelescope.com. Thanks again for joining us. Um, usually, usually, I know I've always said this in the past, as always, with me is Trevor Jones from Astro Backyard, but Trevor's sitting this one out, uh, and you know, we're changing things up a bit. I have a really special guest with me today. His name is, name is Dale Gent. He is a contributor to the Nina Open Source uh, uh, to the NINA platform, uh, which stands for Nighttime Imaging and Astronomy, and uh, he's a contributor to the open source uh, project. Did I say that correctly, Dale? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. uh, yep. Well, welcome to the Astrophotography Podcast. I do appreciate your time. Uh, Dale and I met at the Advanced Imaging Conference in November in sunny California when it was a beautiful 20 degrees Celsius outside and not a cloud in the sky and... It was great, unlike the miserable cold weather I'm dealing with now. I don't know what it's like for you right now where you are. Um, uh, it's uh, We're under a nice dome of high pressure, and it's it's pretty sunny, but this dome of high pressure uh, is a harbinger for the uh, winter storm we're going to get tomorrow. So Yeah, well, you, you say it's sunny. I, I, don't, I, I don't believe that the sun exists anymore. I haven't seen it in about a month and a half. Um, or any stars, and I just <laughs> have to rely on everybody else posting images to still believe. Um, so what we're, we're going to be talking about today is, is NINA, and NINA is an open source uh, program uh, for uh, image capture. It's feature rich, it has a lot of great uh, reasons to use it, and like I said, I met Dale at AIC, and we started talking, and I invited him to be on the show, so I'm going to ask Dale some questions, obviously, and uh, one of them is, you know, Dale, if you can just give us a bit of a history about NINA and uh, how it all came about and, you know, why it, why it's open source and, and the advantages of using an open source platform versus a commercially available uh, package. Certainly, yeah. Um, and first, thanks for thanks for inviting me to, to um, be a part of your con uh, podcast. Um, so Nina is uh, uh, an open source image sequencing suite, um, and it's made. Well, its end goal is uh, eventually complete automation of your um, of of your astrophotography sessions, um, and, and with tools to help planning them and, and stuff like that. Uh, Nina got its start. Um, it's by its founder uh, Stefan Berg, who. Um, uh, who started it as a kind of basically as many open source projects are started uh, to scratch an itch, and uh, so he's a he's a, a, sheep, a, a C sharp programmer. He uh, he thought, oh, you know, I'm kind of I mean these existing tools out there are okay for what I want to do, but let me try my hand at, at seeing if if well, if I can make something in my own image here. Uh, and he started the Nina project and. Uh, decided in the course of that to make it open source, and and uh, and and that's how that's that's how it germinated. Um, and then over time, um, as many open source projects do, uh, do, it organically attracted users, and some of those users also wanted to contribute to it. Um, and uh, and so that started a small um, uh, developer following of people contributing small patches and progressively larger. 
um, pieces of of, um, of you know additions to the source code base. How, how long how long has Nina been around for? I I should have looked that up previously, but it's been around for. You know, I I I I don't even I couldn't even give you a date, but <laughs> <laughs> um, if I had to guess, it's probably about uh, two years now. It's probably the code base is about two years old. I can okay. probably go back in the uh, the commit history and find the first commit and um, and and look it up. But it's probably about two years old. So um, Stefan started this on his own. Um, word got around, attracted other developers and um, and uh, and users alike, and 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 that's how it basically it, it basically grew from there. You know, as with any kind of open source project that suddenly finds itself with a growing interest, the you know there's 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 governance questions. There's just basically you know how 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 does how do we how do we uh, facilitate people contributing? Those kinds of questions pop mm -hmm. up. There are some really, you know, some answers to those questions are can be can be taken from other communities as well and from their experience with answering those. And so, anyway, and, and that's where we are today. We've got a we've got a nice um, and growing uh, con uh, list of contributors. We have uh, very engaged users, um, and uh, and by and large, I, I think I'm speaking. I'm speaking definitely for myself, and I, I would think for other developers as well. We enjoy working with those users, um, and uh, either for everything from hunting down a bug to adding a new feature, um, and um, developing, you know, kind of a state-of-the-art program. It is. It is definitely state-of-the-art. I've used it myself. I'm very impressed with the features that are in it. You know, for those who haven't haven't looked at it yet, you can download it from nighttime-imaging.eu. Uh, it is a uh, um, a free download, and just to give you an idea of what what you can do with it, so you have full equipment control. And let me know if I'm missing anything here. You can control cameras, telescopes, filter wheels, um, focusers, rotators, um, switches, weather devices. You got image recognition, um, sequencing. And th that that's power in itself because you can set up your sequence and go to bed. Right, and that's important to me. You can set up your sequences beforehand. This is what I've done. It's just I set them up during the day while I'm at work, and mm -hmm. you know I just load the file when it's time to go and 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 go. Um, this, but this is what I really like is the Sky Atlas, and it's a separate download that you have to put in separately. But the Sky Atlas, it is a nice feature uh, that's local to the machine. Right. You don't have to be connected to the internet or anything. Um, and then that also plays in nicely with the framing assistant. Yes. Is that correct? Yeah. Now, now the Sky Atlas download is a, is a data download that's one gigabyte in size. And mm -hmm. it's, um, it's basically the thumbnail images that are, that are used um, internally in the application. Um, it's a separate download because, hey, it's, it's a gigabyte. That's, yeah. That's even in even in 2020. That's kind of a hefty download for a lot of people. It is. Um, so that's optional. It's not necessarily necessary, but it is nice to have. And um, so uh, what a, a lot of these features are born out of the basic uh, uh, use case that a lot of us are mobile imagers. Like we either mobile we either in the front yard in our of our house on a tripod we set up at night. Or we have to go drive somewhere and set up an, an image from there, and so we don't have the comfortable trappings of a observatory with a warm room and 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 the ability to just 
um, do things online per se, right? Right. We're, right. we're hunched over in a, a laptop in the middle of a farmer's field mm -hmm. with with no mobile or Wi-Fi connection. So, uh, you know, the 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 the, the, the local Sky Atlas is, is very handy for that. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I noticed something just kind of going through the website and 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 uh, something that caught my eye under under sequencing is you could the files are saved as fits and XF, XISF files as well. Oh right, right. So uh, when 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 Nina takes the uh, image array, the pixel array off a camera during you know after an exposure is done, it downloads the image pixel array from the camera. Um, you know you can have it. You can have it. Deposited on a drive in any number of formats. Um, okay. Uh, TIFF fits, which is um, uh, kind of like the lingua franca of of, of astro astronomy Im imaging applications, right? Right. Um, but XISF is the extensible image serialization format, and that's a a format that was put forth by um, the PixInsight um, team. Right. And is the um, is is steadily becoming the 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 normalized uh, the, the standard image format for use in PixInsight. Um, it improves a lot of the shortcomings of FITS. Okay. Um, and uh, and and structures things a little bit differently. The actual image data is exactly the same as FITS, um, but it has some extra features like um, uh, compression using modern compression algorithms uh, mm -hmm. and checksumming that. Um, the checksumming of the data itself, so that um, you you can be made aware that you know if if and this happens. I work in the I work in the storage and file system space professionally, and um, bit rot, you know, okay. flips on the disk and changes a value in a file. How do you know that actually happened? Right. Um, uh, there are some file systems that that address that. However, on the application level, you can you can also do it with checksums, and so. Um, so there's creature comforts like that, and actually, sure. I have a I have a um, I have a a change that I'm working on for Nina in addition to it for 1.10 that implements XISF uh, compression and checksumming so that um, we we uh, save compressed files to drives um, as an option um, using any of the supported XISF compression algorithms. So okay. Those of you with the new IMX 451 based cameras that have 130 megabyte images, you know, coming out of the, <laughs> out of the camera, um, you can. Uh, I've I've taken a few of those and I've um, I've gotten them down to around 70 to 80 megabytes in size. Um, so you know, it's it's a it's a bit more space conservative and um, it also helps with disk I/O because you're reading and writing less bytes to the drive. Sure. Yeah. Um, anyway, so it, it 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 it's a good modern modernization of of what has existed, and it, it is. There's some debate around it whether it's needed and all that kind of stuff. But we we kind of just sidestep that and say it. it's a good it's a good standard by itself, and mm -hmm. why not? It, yeah. It, so um, it doesn't take much effort to implement it, and um, and I, it's beneficial for those people who use PixInsight for their um, it, pretty much their exclusive. Um, post-processing pipeline, right? So yeah, and I, I'm one of those people, and and I, I'm, you know, I'm happy with the images that I 
I'm able to process with this. So I don't claim to be a Pixel Insight expert by by any means. That's one of the reasons why I went to AIC uh, to learn more, and uh, I did learn quite a bit. Um, but it's nice to see that you know it, being able to save a file in a PixInsight file. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah. You, you know what I'm looking for. To, that that standard that file format is being utilized. Right. Um, it is. Uh, it's important to me, and I'm sure there's other people listening as well that can appreciate the modernization uh, stance that Nina is taking um, to, to to bring imaging, you know, yeah. into 2020. It, you know, one thing that's really interesting to me is the whole concept of of open source, and there's um, and, and there's no charge for the software. It's free open source, and you know, it, it, Dale, you and I were talking offline about this and. Open source is great because it allows um, users that have programming abilities to create their own drivers uh, to improve on something that they feel needs improvement on um, uh, to add to the the overall package. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then you know it, it, the people that can't program don't know how. Uh, um, you know it, they have a, a nice platform that's not going to cost them anything, but uh, you know, uh, there's the opportunity if they really like the software, they can donate uh, to it, and and that's one thing I was always wondering about the donate option, right? What does that do? Like, if somebody says, you know, this software is really good, I'm gonna I'm gonna send them fifty bucks. Right. Where does that Where does that go? Right. Well, um, the uh, the, uh, the 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 donation button that you would find on the on the on the um, uh, Nina website is um, that that money goes towards defraying the cost of running the website, actually. Okay. Um, that goes to the founder, Stefan Berg, and he uses it to um, basically run the website. The, um, with, with the, uh, th- this, is, this is a growing software package with, like I said the, earlier, the one, the one gigabyte um, you know, a Sky Atlas option and stuff like that. People downloading that day in and day out, you know, um, rack up the hosting costs for the web server because these days um if you're charged for anything in web serving it's you're, you're in web hosting you're charged for the bandwidth your website uses and so um these these donations help make that um help keep that from being a out-of-pocket expense for stefan who runs the site and uh and goes directly into um giving a, a place for us to you know post the software and people to download it and um, you know the you know a home to to put the documentation and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Well, there's so, obviously overhead costs that need right. to be covered, so it's, right? It's, overhead. it's it's just unavoidable, right? You need a website, and you need a you need a way to pay for it. And the web the web hosting firms aren't going to care really if you're a open source um, uh, a, a, a software or not. You're using your bandwidth. They want to get paid for it. So anyway, sure. if you're curious about what the money goes towards, that's what it goes towards. And um, and so it, um, none of the individual contributors get it, and it's not expected that any of the individual contributors get it. The um, donation model is quite common out in the open source world at large, um, and uh, and it and it and traditionally these the donations uh, to those projects go towards infrastructure costs like what I just um, 
outline. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to say, I, I really like that the the idea behind it um, because there are people, and I'm one of them, right? If, if I find something I really like, and if it was offered as, as free, um, and I know I'm going to be regularly using it, I, I want to be able to offer up my thanks in some way, and right. uh, I believe that that's one good way of doing it, and I think it allows people to to provide what they can. Let's face it, the astronomy hobby is not a cheap one. Right. Right? Um, and and uh, if, if uh, somebody really wants to contribute, they don't have to feel bad about whatever they feel that they can give. And um, right. so I, th I, think, I think it's... It's a outlet, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, it's not, it's not expected, but, you know, every, every donation is, is, is certainly appreciated. And, uh, um, and, and if, you, if you don't know how to... If you don't have a code, or 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 or, or don't, don't have the time, or, or something like that, then it's another outlet for you to for one to um, to to register their appreciation, and it is appreciated. Every donation is so, um, uh, and it it keeps it keeps it literally keeps the light on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the the servers keep running, and that that's important. That's important. <laughs> the hamsters get fed. <laughs> hey, I'm supposed to be the funny one on this. <laughs> um, that's great. Dale, you're an imager, right? Yes, yes. Yeah? Okay, give me your three top targets. Three what do you top. like to image? Well, um, so it's a, it's a, it's a decent, it's a decent uh, uh, spread throughout. Well, I guess maybe. But um, um, the, uh, I guess my first is the iris nebula okay uh, is one of my favorites the, it has an etherealness to it that just kind of grabs me every time i see it it's got it's surrounded by dark nebula uh it's got that eerie oxygen uh three line that's just um i mean it's it just it, as per its name it just kind of stares at you like a kind of like a benevolent sauron's eye in the night sky yeah um, the uh, the other one is uh, is the uh, 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 bubble nebula. Okay. In Cassiopeia, it's 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 got a lot of nice stuff around it. It's kind of like in a busy busy corner of the sky. It is. Um, and uh, in and I'm all about structure and the the, the bubble structure itself just just speaks a ton. Um, both scientifically and aesthetically, and mm -hmm. so, um, and I, I think it was only recently, kind of discovered, right? Like, it wasn't until recent times that that the bubble was even noticed. I think. Um, I, I'm honestly not sure. I, I can tell you, like with the bubble, it's one of my favorite objects to image because it, it, it's, uh, um, in, in my backyard observatory, it's in my field of view um, mm -hmm. all the time. Right. It's, it's nice and high up uh, at my latitude. And, um, you know, interesting little tidbit on it. I'll get to your third, third object. You're not off the hook yet. Yeah. Um, uh, I used to travel to Ireland um, a lot. Mm -hmm. And my last, last time I was there, I, I became good friends with the people that uh, worked at and ran the Dunsink Observatory uh, uh, just outside Dublin. And uh, I met a gentleman there um, who was writing his thesis on the bubble nebula. And doing a mathematical model of 
uh, how it's expanding. It was really cool. I really wish I, I spent more time with him, and I don't remember his name. And if you're listening to this, I really apologize. Um, and thank you for listening. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought that was really cool because he 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 modeled how it, if I remember correctly, how it's expanding and what it's supposed to look like. Um, progressively through time. Progressively through time, yeah. So really nice object. And I, I have imaged it a few times. In my last my last uh, go-around with it was kind of a little bit of a wide field. And I picked up a lot of the, a couple of the other objects around it, M52, yeah, yeah. nice star cluster, and uh, the Northern Lagoon, which I didn't even know existed until I saw it on my, uh, my image. I'm like, hey, that's really cool. And <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Okay, so number three. Give me your third one. Number three, I, I, you know, some people might, especially this time of year, might might put their hand over their mouth and yawn a bit, but the rosette. And I have to say the rosette because it's massive. Yes. Um, and a lot of people don't even know it's there, right? So, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, the, you've got the Orion Nebula not too far away. You've got the you've got the Horsehead and Almatech complex um, kind of between it and the Orion Nebula. But the yep. Rosette Nebula is... It's, and this is I, I mentioned earlier that I like structure. The the Rosette Nebula is just full of it because it's so huge you can see it in detail too. So um, the little tendrils of 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 of, of dust and gas um, being pushed away by the central stars. Uh, the the um, the pressure exert, the pressure exerted by the central stars and the um, um, and the hydrogen alpha um, photons that are being thrown off by their intense ultraviolet emissions you know it's just it's just very pleasing i actually saw a a take on the rosette nebula that i had never seen before and 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 it there's like there's like even more like there's the rosette nebula there's like even more around it it's, yeah it's, it's it's just phenomenal it's like wow i never thought to take a really like uh, you wide know, field wide field view of the rosette and get all the surrounding loops of gas around it Mm-hmm. Um, that you see outside of just the the confines of its of of, of its own nebulosity, and so um, you know it's just it's just something like yeah okay it's just one of those uh, perennial um, popular topics for the northern winter time sky, but um, you know it, it even even for me and I haven't been imaging long, but even for me it's it's. It's it's always kind of like surprising me in some way, and it's just got tons of structure in it. Um, and I and I implore anyone who does um, photograph it to take some time and admire that structure and just like just investigate it. It's it's really kind of cool, twisty stuff in there. Yeah, it is it is a pretty object, and I've seen some nice takes on it too, uh, just in hydrogen alpha or then in in a Hubble palette. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it real you really get a sense of the complexity of the structure that's there. Yeah, um, yeah. Especially in the Hubble palette because all the different colors that do pop with it. And it, it, right. it's not... Um, There's some oxygen in there. Yeah. <laughs> so so it, it's it's quite cool. So out of those three, I think the rosette's probably your favorite. Um, <laughs> the way you're uh, describing it. Actually, actually I, I go with the first one, the iris. The iris? Okay. <laughs> iris is really cool because one thing I like about the iris and to kind of echo what you were saying... Whenever I look at an image of the iris, and I've I've imaged it um, once, mm-hmm. and I, I plan to change that this year, um, uh, it kind of seems like it it's that gateway, like there's something on the other side. 
Yeah, yeah. You know what it is? It's all that dark nebula. Yeah. And it's yeah. in that sea of dark nebula. And I, I kind of like have this um, fantasy of living <laughs> in, a, in a dark enough corner of the world where um, and all I would do, if I, if I lived in a dark enough corner of the world, all yeah. I would do is just do dark nebula. Um, yeah night in and night out and dark dark devil is really nice and to, yeah to it's so just just the the iris and its surrounding dark nebula friends just kind of like is like a siren song to me and yeah i really I, appreciate it i started um i never finished it i started at the the dark shark uh nebula oh, yeah. uh-huh. and and uh um i was i was testing out a new telescope uh and I had some requirements that I really wanted to kind of put it through um, to to see what it can do. But just for the heck of it, I I, I slewed it over to the Dark Shark, and I spent uh, not much. I think I spent like 20 minutes on it, just to get some basic shots in to see if I could get it. And uh, then I went back to the other stuff I was working on. Um, and uh, it was faint, but it was there, and I was quite impressed. And, and then a buddy of mine, uh, we were imaging at the same time. Uh, me and a bunch of friends will go do um, an imaging trip uh, every new moon weekend from May to October. And uh, he, he spent uh, the entire weekend on that, and the, the data he got was amazing um, because he spent all that time on it, just, just absolutely beautiful. So I, I like the dark shark. And I like the dark nebulas. Yeah. Um, if and but you need to have the skies for it. I'm not going to be doing it in my backyard. Just yeah, yeah, not, you, it, yeah. Not, it's just, not going to. I, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't make me think about it. <laughs> yeah, we're going to start crying. Um, okay, I got I I got um, two things I want to ask. All right. So you've given us your top three. Uh-huh. Suggest get give some people out there a target to go through and then I'm gonna I'm gonna ask that people are listening that can take this image um, or, or that do do it I want you guys to post it on our Facebook page the Astro Photography Podcast Facebook page and uh, I want to we want to see your work so what would you what would you suggest uh, in terms of like challenging or uh... um not too challenging but not an easy one either like not the Orion Nebula because you know you can do that with a phone. Well, um, okay. Well, from a challenging standpoint, nor or the Orion Nebula actually is pretty challenging, right? That, that yeah, yeah. It, 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 I mean, it's it's so common we just kind of like don't think about it, and it's kind of ho hum. But um, the Orion Nebula itself is actually pretty challenging from a processing and even a, a, a session planning standpoint because of the massive amount of relatively speaking, massive amount of dynamic range that you have to consume in order to get um, a good final image, right? So, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. you can take it with your cell phone, but you're going to have that blown out core. Um, yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, um, you know, but, but if I were to think of something cool uh, this time of year, which is head. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Which is head. Yep. Uh, which is that is 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 got a good mix of um, uh, it, I mean it's it's popular but it's not too popular. Uh, it's it can be pretty aesthetically pleasing. You can pull you can actually pull out colors from it. Yeah. It's not, it's not just a blue smoky wisp in the in the sky. 
Yeah. Um, I, I like that target. I'll tell you why. One thing that we like to uh, promote on the, on the podcast is, um, you know, anyone can be an imager if you really want to, and you don't have to go out and spend thousands of dollars of, on uh, equipment. Right. And the witch's head, because of the colors that are there, the signal that you can get, you can use even just a DSLR yeah. with, with, yeah. with, with, a, with just a lens. And, and uh, um, it doesn't even have to be modified. So the witch's head, I really like that. So that's everybody's challenge. If you have a DSLR, if you have uh, modified or unmodified, or if you have a dedicated camera, um, this is a great target. It's right off the, the side of Orion. Uh, it's, it's big too. So um, I think like a 135 millimeter lens yeah. will get you a nice shot of the witch's head. That'd be good framing with Rigel in it. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I like that target. All right. I got one, I got one more question for you. Sure. Uh, talking about Nina, right? Um, I'm not, I'm not a coder and that's one of the few things in my life I really wish I was better at unless it was like, uh, um, I used to code in basic. That was a long time ago. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, a, I think that's everyone's on Apple IIe probably, right? No, it was on a, a Texas Instrument, TI-994A. Oh, okay. And, uh, um, but I did, I, did, I did do some stuff on an Apple II, yeah. Um, uh, if, if somebody's not a coder, but they want to contribute somehow to Nina, what can they do? How can they be involved? This is a question that comes up a lot. Uh, and, uh, you know, I... Uh, and a lot of people think, oh, it's an open source project. Oh, you have to learn how to you need, or know how to code in order to do anything meaningful with it. And that's patently not the case. Okay. And um, and the the things you can do as a non-coder um, are the things that, ironically, we we developers um, the, the 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 joke is we hate it, and that is writing documentation. Right. Uh, love right. writing code. Hate writing documentation for it. Um, I like writing documentation, but uh, I can't write at all. But what a, what a um, but so if you're a user who has a good writing background um, and uh, has a good grasp of the concepts, one way you can contribute is is help helping to um, uh, beautify the existing documentation or and write new documentation for stuff that isn't documented yet. Okay, uh, a lot of us will. You know, coders will just start belting out the new features and changes to existing ones. And the um, and the last thing in our mind is updating the documentation to match it. Um, you know, a, a nice little cadre of, of 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 people who are interested in writing documentation would really help out there. So you don't need to know how to code. You basically just need to know how to understand the program and use it. Mm -hmm. um, and um, the documentation is written in, in Markdown. Okay, um, and so that's a, that's a that's a, uh, a text formatting language that's quite popular nowadays, and um, and and so uh, once you once you get that little setup going, you can belt out documentation and make pretty pictures, and which will in turn help out other users. So you are directly helping the community by improving the documentation. That that's that's fantastic. Yeah, and other in other ways is even not writing documentation, just. Um, Help, helping people out on the Discord channel. Um, oh, I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to ask about Discord. Right. Uh, that that that's the there's a link on it on the website as well. Uh, so to, for other members to communicate, other users to communicate with each other, ask questions, I guess, and or, and support those users would be through Discord. Yes. Yes. We've chosen um, 
the Discord chat system as our kind of like uh, uh, forum of sorts for the project. So it's not a, it's not a traditional mailing list. It's not a traditional web-based forum. It's a it's a web or client-based chat system basically that um, has different rooms for different topics and stuff like that. And it's all real time. Uh, right. And so we we just found it better for our own purposes to in terms of management and in communication to to work with so um, the discord system is is uh, is you can access it through your web browser or through a dedicated client the links on the uh, project website um, and it's pretty straightforward from from there um, so uh, so yeah so when I when I refer to discord that's what I'm referring to and um, and uh, so cool. All right. We also have a um, also linked through our website is a um, issue um, tracker. And uh, the issue tracker and source code repository we use on Bitbucket um, is what we use to manage the project. And so if you have a, a bug that you want to fi file a formal bug report on or, or a request that you want to make a formal request for, right. uh, the issue tracker is the place to do that. So um, go there, write out your heart's desire, and uh, be as detailed as possibly can be um, And uh, regarding the issue or the feature request. And, you know, it'll, 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 it'll be considered for, you know, a developer who, who wants to take that on. That's good. Now, I, I love that, that ability for for users to interact with with developers and um, it, it, to get involved in somehow, whether it be directly through code or uh, documentation update or, or supporting other users. And I think that really creates a nice community, uh, which I think is part, part of the, the hobby all together. Right? You know, you look at the hobby at like the star parties that take place, um, the star parties I've been to, you know, People are usually more than happy to let you look through their telescope um, if they're visual. Uh, if their image session session is up and running, um, they're usually more than happy to help someone else to get their their image session going or, or help them with any other problems. Um, and it's just a really good community. And this is just, I think, an extension to that uh, uh, through the yeah. open source platform and and, be, and the collaboration that takes place and being able to communicate with others. So, you know, I, I think Nina really, really fits in nicely to the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the spirit of, of the hobby. It's kind of like the, it's kind of like the software side of the ATM part of our community. Right? Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. um, and, and, uh, so the, the kind of collaboration and trading of ideas and, uh, constructive criticism and, and stuff like that you, that you find in the uh, ATM or amateur telescope making community. Um, you know, it's kind of mirrored here, but, you know, instead of making telescopes, we're making software that runs telescopes. And so yeah. um, uh, in the end, we, we, we are making something that we enjoy. We want, we hope that other people also enjoy. And we're open to ideas and contributions from um, uh, you know, people to uh, to further improve it. So that's that's and so that the community is kind of like the lifeblood of any open source um, project, um, mm -hmm. and it's where it draws 
um, new talent from, new contributions, uh, new ideas, uh, stuff like that. It's it's not a you know it's very organic. It's not it's not very planned or anything like that. It's not like there's a a, a conference table. We you know we all sit around once a quarter and 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 plan out what's going to be in X, Y, and Z releases uh, for the next two years. You know, it's, it kind of t- takes a life of its own. Right. And, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's really really cool. It's 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 about the project, not necessarily the people who work on it. If you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Project. So. Absolutely. Um, and that's kind of like the base open source ethos there, and um, and and what drives us, and and and, and passion. It, passion is a large part of this. Passion is, uh, if if any of you are familiar with the uh, Burning Man world, and the founder of, of of that festival out in Nevada does it every year, had a had a saying that. Um, when asked how he does that every year and organizes that every year, he says, passion holds us to the task. And that's just a simple and succinct way of, of putting it for, for those who contribute to open source projects. Right. Um, it, it's born out of passion um, and, um, and, and self-development, too. You learn a lot as a developer and, and, and interacting with people. Yeah, that's really cool. Dale, I want to thank you for taking the time. I know we we chatted um, quite a bit when we were at AIC, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, I lo- I love that, and it's too bad they're doing it every two years now uh, instead of every year. But I- I'll definitely be going back. Um, will you be going to Neef this year? You think? I'm making plans to. I I I, I kind of was hanging hanging tight to see what the uh, NEAIC plans were. And yep. I checked the website last night, and it actually seems like there's the ability to buy tickets now to any. Oh, good, good. Um, I'll be doing that. Yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking if my schedule works out, I I'll do another Neef, any IC Neef back to back remix there. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, and 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 be up there and see you. So um, and of course everybody else. Um, yeah, well, I'll I'll definitely be there for Neef. Uh, I'm going to try to make Neak work. Um, but, you know, Dale, thank you very much for your time and, and sharing uh, Nina with us and the contributions you've made and, and also helping myself and everybody else know what they can do if they want to contribute to it, uh, how they can be part of of the, the uh, project. That, that's really cool. So thank you very much. And uh, I hope to have you on, on the show again um, in the future. And, uh, you know, when we meet up at NEF, you know, we'll... We'll broadcast a video on the Facebook page. Sure. All right. Well, and thank you for for your interest and in, and in, in, uh, inviting me onto your show. It's 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 been a pleasure talking with you and and um, you know and having another way of communicating the word out to the users and the, the community at large. Yeah, very cool. Thanks again, everybody. Thank you for subscribing and listening to the podcast. I do greatly appreciate it. Uh, and uh, we will be uh, getting back onto a more regular cadence with it. So at that, I'm going to leave it. No, no bad joke today because I, I couldn't look one up. And I know a lot of you are disappointed about that. Um, so clear skies, everyone. All the best.